This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, and welcome into another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man, the myth, and the legend. His name is Greg Crumpton. Greg, thanks for being here, man. How are you? Well, Tyler, I'm, I'm uh, just thrilled to be here today. Uh, it's been such a uh, we're we're actually doing this later in the day to accommodate the schedule of our guest. And usually, you know, I'm doing this in the morning and uh, mid mid morning or lunch or what have you. And today we're in the more in the afternoon. And uh, man, what a day it's been! It's been busy, and I'm like, I couldn't wait to get here. Uh, our guest is is super cool. Uh, looking forward to talking to her. And uh, yeah, it's good good stuff. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. So let us welcome our uh, fantastic guest today. We are excited to welcome Jamie McMillan. She is the founder of Kick-Ass Careers on to Straight Out of Crumpton. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I am hyped. Greg, how hyped are you? Man, I'm I'm so hyped that my my little bar of uh, voice indicator is hitting the yellow. So I must be really <laughs> excited. So Jamie, we are we're definitely thrilled to uh, to have you join us. We as as we were talking just a bit earlier, we we like to talk about relationships on this on this podcast and how relationships kind of intertwine between work and school and education and life and. And, you know, just how it all kind of becomes a big jellyfish. And it's not really clear cut anymore in life, for, or at least in, in my view, it's kind of all meshed together. And uh, that's kind of how, you know, I, I became aware of you uh, through watching your, your social feeds on skilled trades. And, you know, I'm thinking, here's this lady up in Canada getting it done, and I, I, need, to, I need to follow her. So I, I started following along and watching what you were doing. And uh, kind of read the story, uh, heard, uh, heard you speak a couple of times, I think, on podcasts. And so anyway, we just thought it'd be really fun to get you here, uh, learn about Kick-Ass Careers, because it's such a kick-ass name. I can say that <laughs> on the radio. All right. Uh, and um, just learn more about you and what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and you know, kind of the mission. And uh, maybe at the end, how, how we could help, you know, keep it going. Okay, for sure. I'd love to fill you in. What would you like to know? Well, I want to know how you became an iron worker, uh, and you know, like what what took you there? Were you always kind of a a kid who liked to tinker, or you know, were you Barbies and then you swore them off? I mean, how did all that work out? <laughs> okay, um, well, the, it's it's a bit of a convoluted story, but as a child, I. I remember ripping Barbie's head off and making another young girl cry. Um, I was more into Tonka trucks. I always hung out with boys because that's all that was really in our neighborhood. And I was kind of my dad's sidekick. My dad was a workaholic and a minor. My mom was a nurse, but she also liked to be a workaholic. And they would, you know, buy old houses and fix them up and stuff. So I was always around that type of environment. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, in school, um, nobody told me about like skilled trades pathways. I wasn't encouraged to do technical programs. Um, and I chose to do those programs later on because I wanted to do technical programs, especially like woodshop and small edge mechanics. Those were things that I was drawn to. Um, but unfortunately, no one said that I could get into a skilled trade or apprenticeship out of school. They were only encouraging the academic pathways. So I had kind of a crazy journey. I dropped out of high school. 
I went back and took a short program in healthcare because my parents encouraged it because that's what my mother did. Kind of got to the top of that mountain. It wasn't the mountain I wanted to be on. It was good for a while, but I couldn't see myself staying there forever. Um, so then I got mixed up a bit and went on another little bit of a path and uh, found my way to the wrong crowd, moved to the big city, had my priorities in the wrong place, and just started going in a downward spiral. Didn't think I was smart enough to go to school, didn't have the money to go to school. And honestly, I didn't have interest in post-secondary whatsoever. Um, so I was a bartender. And then um, one day I was walking to a store to go get some groceries and somebody randomly pulled over on the side of the street to ask me for a pen. And it happened to be an old high school uh, classmate. And she had done an apprenticeship to become an iron worker and told me about it. And it changed my whole life. I went and applied and I ended up getting accepted as, of course, Mr. McMillan, because my name is Jamie. And um, it took off from there. And I started my apprenticeship. That is that is a cool, uh, I mean, how random, you know, you're walking down the street. And that's all about the right place at the right time, for sure. Um, well, there's a bit of a kicker to that. I forgot to leave, put that part in. I had actually moved away from my hometown where we went to school together. So when I ran into her on the street, it was in a town 500 miles away from my hometown with a population of half a million people. So the fact that she was that random stranger that pulled over on the side of the road to ask for a pen from me because she needed a pen in that moment was just to me fate. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you couldn't script that. That's uh, that, that's made for TV movie material right there. <laughs> people keep saying I should write a book. No, you probably should because, you know, I, I've, I've heard a little bit of that story, but not the whole thing. So you get into the apprenticeship and it, this is in Hamilton or Toronto. Where, where, you, where were you doing that? I'm in Hamilton. Okay. And I know very little about Hamilton. I do know a little bit about the area, but uh, I've been up there a couple of times. But all right. So you go through four year apprenticeship or how did that work for you? For us, it was a 6,000 hour apprenticeship and you average about 2,000 hours a year. So it took me three years and two months to do my 6,000 hours. So you were humping it pretty good there. Yeah, I was lucky. Uh, I, I got to, I got on a job that was really consistent. So I was able to get my hours pretty quickly. Well, cool. So how um, once you became a journeyman and journeyman as a, uh, if I can remember the tagline. That is not is a gender. Status, not a gender. Yeah, I was going to buy I'm going to buy Tyler that T-shirt uh, off your website. So, <laughs> so, all right. So you're you're a journeyman iron worker, and then you start having this like hankering to go mentor young kids and young women. Or I mean, how how did you start blending into the coaching and the mentorship, and eventually kick ass? Okay. Um, well, I as a female in a male dominated industry. I mean, at the time, I think women were in the iron workers, maybe 2% if that. Um, so there was times I was on the job, I'd be the only girl, like 400 guys and me, um, all multi-trades though. And I guess it was, I can't remember what year, it was in probably 2006-ish. Uh, I finally got my first computer. I was a late bloomer on the, the tech, the tech stuff. And I started an email address and this organization called Skills Ontario reached out to me. I had no idea who they were. I had no idea how they found my 
contact information and they asked me if I would go to a mentoring banquet for girls and represent as an iron worker. And I said yes. And over the next couple of years, I would pop in at these mentoring banquets every now and then and just talk to girls. And I noticed that they became more and more interested in my story and my job. I would bring ironworker calendars with me because a girl from the United States would put them together, Jean Park, and she would send them to me. And uh, one day a panelist didn't show up and I was asked to go sit on a panel last minute. And I will tell you, I almost had a heart attack. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess <laughs> my story resonated with some of the crowd. And next thing you know, I have all these teachers and stuff coming up to me and saying, hey, would you mind coming to the school and doing this and that? And then I got... Um, these requests to go and do in-person presentations in schools and classrooms and shops and gymnasiums. Um, then I ended up scoring myself a little keynote with the Canadian Armed Forces on International Women's Day. And I figured, well, now that I'm doing all this stuff, I need a brand. Um, so my original brand was Journeyman. It's a status, not a gender. And it was basically advocating to young women. But over time, I started to realize that there was a real disconnect. So going in and talking to the women was great, like the young girls, but there's a lot of boys who needed to understand that these were pathways for them as well. Yeah. Because, you know, parents are constantly pushing college, university, uh, white collar jobs. And there was a lot of boys who didn't know about this. So I decided to change the scope from being female to everybody. I spoke to some students. We had a brainstorming session. They came up with the name Kick-Ass Careers. So it was actually named by high school students. And uh, from there, it just it just started to snowball. I started to get asked to travel. I was jumping on planes, going across the province. Next thing you know, I'm being asked to go, can you come and speak at a conference in Portland? And can you come to a conference in Chicago? And can you come over to British Columbia? And it just, it didn't stop. And so that, I, it got to a point I was like, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to need help. Um, and I have a business partner. She lives in LA. She's a retired stationary operating engineer. She'd be a great person for you to talk to. Oh, and, cool. and then it was people just started coming to me asking if they could be part of the team. Like Sh Shannon Tomasco, for example, I went to the YWCA and I spoke at their women in trades event. And Shannon and I became friends. She was one of the people going through the program. And she was so interested in what I was doing that I invited her to come out to a school with me. And then she joined the team. And that's pretty much it's most of the people that are on the team are people that I met, inspired, and they wanted to join the mission. Well, it's, it's certainly a worthwhile mission. And, and to your point, you know, it's, it's gender neutral. Um, when I went to high school, which was in the 80s, 1980s, um, Everyone had the opportunity to go into a metal shop or wood shop if they chose. And, and you know, most of us guys who were not uh, hugely into uh, academia, you know, kind of drifted that way. And you just got exposed to so much uh, that, that to this day I remember well. But, you know, those, those programs uh, for a lot uh, of areas of the world are gone. So, you know, we're all trying to revitalize uh, the, the shop classes and, and the technical courses in public schools. So I, I think that's super duper important of what you're doing. So how much of your life now are you doing uh, the kick-ass thing versus, you know, actually banging and welding? 
how how are, how's your life split now? What what's going on? Well, for the longest time, I was as I was building momentum, I would offer spring and fall to go and speak in schools, and then summer and winter, I was working on the tools. But now the demand has become so high for speaking engagements that I'm literally booked almost the whole school year, with the exception of the first month of September. I'm usually booked solid from October until mid-June. So it's pretty much taken up that entire amount of time. So because I want to remain credible, that's very, very important to me. Um, I, I still would be picking up jobs in the summer on the tools. This summer I did not. Um, and I'll tell you why. With COVID hitting the way it did, I got a lot of my gigs canceled. So I think it was like November 11th and everything got canceled. Right. Yeah. And I ended up coming back home and the job that I had lined up for the summer, they canceled as well. So I wasn't going to be able to go back on the tools. They were, you know, scaling back, putting right. everything on hold. And so this summer I decided to do something very different. And I went back to my first career because I did take a, a personal support worker program in school. And I used that experience to go and work at a homeless shelter. And I ended up really loving it. And so I've stayed there on call while I'm doing kick-ass careers, and my plan is to go back on the tools next summer. Well, I saw your foray uh, into the the social, you know, help category, a uh, couple of your postings, and and I didn't know the circumstances of how you wound up there, but that's uh, that is an eye-opening and humbling experience for sure. I'm sure um, just the little bit of exposure I, I've had to that world, it's, uh, it's, it's gut-wrenching uh, in a lot of ways. But, yep. well, good for you. Um, that, that's uh, that's a, good, a good thing to do just as a human. And, and we, we all should take a little step down that road every once in a while probably to get our humility back in order. It, I, I'm telling you, it is, I can't, it, it did wonders for me. I mean, I have such empathy and it's it's hard to see the circumstances uh, that we deal with and there are all types of personalities, all kinds of addictions and sad stories, but it's been also a really amazing opportunity because it's it's changed me as a human and it's made me understand people a lot more because it's easy to be judgmental of people that you don't sure. know. And now I know everyone has a story and they are where they are for a reason and it's it's interesting because going back to skilled trades throughout this experience i was able to write an article for a magazine that was about women in skilled trades it was a campaign magazine but through the shelter i met several women who had very very successful careers in skilled trades and for one reason or another ended up in a homeless shelter wow so yeah, so there's two of them specifically that I'm really trying to work with, and they're trying to get their lives back in order and and on track. And I'm there to support them and help them because I want to help them transition into that next step when they're ready to go back on the tools. Awesome. Well, good for you for doing that. So, Tyler, you're not an iron worker. Um, this is correct. <laughs> so, as a as a uh, skilled person at what you do and when you think about a female and you think about iron worker historically those don't go together 
it's so cool to see. And, and Jamie, I got a story I'll tell you in a minute. You it may or may not have remembered me telling you this earlier, but it, it's the the ability for for you and and your sisters to cross the that border. You know, whether it be electrical like Shannon's doing or mechanical like my world or, or iron working or welding. You know, I think about Barbie the welder. I always get a kick out of watching her crap on the LinkedIn. But it's just so cool to see the barriers getting um, just chipped away. And, and it, you know, obviously it's going to take time to get those numbers from 2% up to where, you know, they're 50-50 or whatever the right number is. But very cool stuff. So I, I wanted to tell you this story. Um, and it's fairly brief, but I was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, I don't know, a couple of three years ago. And it was late in the afternoon, and I had been with this uh, facility all day, and they didn't take a lunch break or anything because they wanted to get through what we were doing. So anyway, it's like 4.30 in the afternoon. So I'm driving away from the facility, and there's a little roadside diner. So I pull in. I'm going to grab a late lunch or early dinner, whatever you want to have. And a beer. So I'm sitting there and um, I noticed three denim clad people sitting near me. And I was just sitting there wondering, I wonder what wonder what industry they're in. You know, it could be oil or whatever up in that area, fracking, welding, who, who knew? But I, I knew the uh, the denim, you know, was down my, my down my path mentally. And then uh, the lady, uh, there's three of them, two guys and a lady. She gets up and takes her, her jacket off, and um, she had on an iron worker's local shirt. And um, it was a bright yellow shirt, I remember it well. And I got up to go to the restroom, and I happened to look at her back, and it was iron worker's local whatever. And um, I said, excuse me, but uh, I said, I just happened to notice your shirt and was just kind of curious about you being an iron worker and what have you. And I said, I know this this lady up in Canada who's an iron worker. She said, Jamie McMillan? <laughs> what? And I said, yeah. Um, how weird. I mean, this is like the lady asking you for a pen walking down the road, you know, out of the blue. I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, how? you know, I'm looking around like, did I have this kick me sign on? And um, so she had been on vacation with you uh, somewhere, and she's kind of a, a short, stout, blonde-headed lady uh, that lives in Wisconsin. And um, but she knew you and had traveled with you at some point. So I just Did thought she have that dreads? was yeah, glow beady. What's her name? Glow beady. Her name is Glow. Well, that that I met Glow at a wow. road, at a roadside pub in the middle of nowhere. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's incredible. That's so incredible. In fact, yes, we had gone to a conference together down in Sacramento. She was my roommate for the weekend at the conference. And after, uh, she was one of the people that I brought back to San Francisco with me because I scored four um, opportunities to like four tickets or whatever to bring three other people with me on a tour of the Golden Gate Bridge and Glow oh, was cool. one of them. So well, there you go. We stood on top of the Golden Gate Bridge together on the very top pier. It was amazing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, that just shows you what a small world it is when, you, when you're out doing good stuff. People, Good people find each other. So 
I just, I, I remember getting back in the car, going back to the hotel thinking, that is so like surreal that that just happened. And um, <laughs> that is amazing. So anyway, I, I just thought I message her after this. Yeah, ask her if she remembers a tall, goofy guy asking her in a restaurant about you. So I'm sure she will. That's awesome. Or not. Who knows? Well, it's interesting well, because so, social media brought us all together. So it's yeah. we all know each other in some way, shape, or form through social media and conferences. And that's amazing. Well, I think that that just shows the benefit in, in you know, we go back to the relationship piece of, of Good people do want to hang out with good people, and especially if you have some kind of commonality, like you know your work or your your hobbies or whatever. So I just thought it was fun. So what what does Kick Ass Careers look like in three and years from now? Do you know? Well, that's the whole question right now. Is that we have so many people asking to join the team with this interest building. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not the best business person. So for me, business is a real struggle and I, I have trouble managing things right now. We've got about 14 people on the team. Um, so I'm looking at the opportunity to have a business plan done by college students to have um, an ambassador program that we can expand and then we can build chapters provincially, statewide, and just keep building momentum. So like, I, I don't want to be this person that basically runs the program. There will be certain criteria put in place with terms and conditions, and everybody is just to respect those terms and conditions and represent under the brand as brand ambassadors. Um, but the truth is, is that I want us to be, to remain grassroots and authentic. So we are represented by real people that are in the pursuit of being in skilled trades, whether they're going through technical programs in colleges, doing apprenticeships, um, they're doing co-ops, or they're already journey level or higher. So that's that's what we're hoping for in the future, just to build a big team of brand ambassadors that really represent skilled trades and are authentically there to support and promote these skilled trades to youth as alternative pathways to the mainstream college and university. Well, that's a, that's a great goal. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, folks are doing it. Um, you know, you're doing your thing. Uh, I think you've been on with Josh Zolan before. Uh, yep. Blue is the new white. You know, Josh is doing good work. Uh, Rich Malachy up in New Jersey, he, he's been a guest with us as well. He's doing some good stuff. So, you know, and, and it's so weird because when I talk to people, um, about skilled trades and they say, well, how, how, how do you recruit into that industry? How do you recruit people to understand that they're going to wind up with hands that when they're 40 years old are not ready for, you know, Jerry Seinfeld modeling hand show. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's just a, there's a certain uh, group of people out there who are going to be drawn to it if they can get the exposure and, you know, I find it's just it's really one one person grabbing one person and taking them up the up the food chain with them. You know, like it, for me, I find a young person that that has an interest and, in, you know, it's just one at the time. It's hard to do it in mass. So the more ambassadors you have out there that are indoctrinated with the message, um, you know, the, the, the easier it is to 
get the numbers. And, you know, it, Canada and the U.S. are both in a, in a crunch of, of where we're going to be in a few more years if we don't really pick up the pace and backfilling these positions of people that are retiring. Yep. Um, so I, I'm just I'm thrilled that, that you're continuing that that message. So do some shameless plugging, like how how can we find you and, and what can we do? And, and I don't know if Tyler mentioned this to you or not, but we have 26 million listeners every week. It's true. Um, wow. Don't don't That's bother. Incredible. Don't bother fact checking that. Just it's just, just go with yeah, it. Just okay? go with it. Yeah. I, mean, I trust you. Just, just act like we're in politics. So trust us. We're here to help. <laughs> But, okay. Um, yeah, like how how can we help? You know, get the word out of what you're doing, and and you know maybe uh, anything we could do to help, we'd love to. And you know, other than promote your stuff on social, which I try to do, and but the website, you know, if somebody wanted to book you, how how does all that work? Um. So basically, yeah, you just go to the website. It's at uh, it's kickasscareers.org. Um, and then you can find all our social media links on the website. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have a LinkedIn page. I don't believe that's on the website yet. I better get that up there. But you can go on there. You can see some of the ambassadors. Their profiles are on there. They're not all on there yet either. Um, we're growing. And if you're interested, you can contact us directly through the website. I'm the one who does the majority of the speaking right now. And the reason why is because I have been doing this for so long and the ambassador team, as we bring them on, we're looking for opportunities for them to speak. So anybody who has podcasts or they're looking for speakers to come in online, mentors, panelists, I want to get all the ambassadors to get as much opportunity as they can as well. So inviting them to participate in events would be great, especially with COVID because everything's online. So it's yeah. easier to have those virtual events and they can be they don't have to travel to you. They can be there from anywhere. I really want them to get the experience because truthfully with the ambassadors, I would really like to see them all get to a level of professional speaking sort of like I am. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of mentor and guide them and tell them how I got there. And, and uh, yeah, we're just trying to build that way. So if anyone's interested in having advocates to represent skilled trades, talk about our pathways, we are credible. We are authentic. That is some of our core values. We want people that are actually in the industry, not just pointing to it. Right. Um, so you always know that you're getting it right from right from the horse's mouth. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. Well, I just you know, I, I can't stress the urgency to people who don't understand the skilled trade shortage because it's real. Um, you know, I work for a company. That we employ a lot of skilled trades workers and we're always looking for more. Um, and it's just a never ending battle. And, you know, you get to a point, I think we as an industry on the mechanical side, I'll speak to, you know, we're at a point in some areas of the country uh, as an industry that you, they can't grow their businesses because they can't hire enough skilled workers. And, that's not cool. You know, I mean, the whole point of having a business is to provide a way for people to make, you know, a living um, while they're serving the community and their families and everything else. But it's just uh, it's extremely important. So thank you, uh, you know, for carrying that torch. Uh, so literally, so to speak. Um, 
So what do you think, Tyler? Um, you got any uh, any cool kids that you would like to introduce <laughs> into the Skilled Trades program? I'll have to think about that, but I'm I'm sure I do. You know, it, it's really, you know, I said it a while ago about it's, it's hand-to-hand combat. You grab one by the hand and you take them, you know, into the darkness because they don't know about it. But, you know, I, I think about over my 40 years of this uh, and how many one-on-one conversations I've had and how many how many journeymen uh, I know now that I knew when they were in high school or I knew their parents or, you know, they went to church where we went to church and they just didn't know what they wanted to do. And you can have that quick conversation of, look, you don't have to go to college. You know, you're you're not ready to go. Most cases at 18 years old, I don't think a lot of people are equipped for that, but they go because they're supposed to. And, you know, you, you wind up with this, you know, degree in, you know, Zimbabwe humanitarianism in the, you know, early BCs. And what do you, you know, it was a degree and it looks cool, cool on a resume, but I don't know that you can earn the money to have, you know, a long-term prosperous career if you're not into it, you know, if you're just going because you're supposed to go. There's, there's so many other routes, so. Be, keep beating the drum. That's all. I wonder from from y'all's perspective because are, are I don't know is is parental um, pressure part of why people tend to go to college or tend to think that college is the default route and and, and I suppose our conversations with with parents or with uh, mentors in, in young people's lives, kind of part of how this all works, because I, I think that that would, that would have been part of it for, for me had I decided to go into a, into a, a skilled trades career, that would have had to have been a conversation that I would have also had to have had with my parents. So I, I guess I wonder like what the influence is there. Well, yeah, and Jamie, I'll, I'll just say a quick thing and then I'll let you have a, have a go at it. But uh, Tyler, after World War II, when people came home from the war, the uh, the big push was you got to go to college and you got to get an education with the baby boomer crowd. And, um, you know, there were so many young people that the colleges filled up as well as the skilled trades world, the bakeries. And, you know, people were just there was a lot of people. And, you know, if you look at 1945 through current um the the economy of the U.S. and Canada and the world has not done anything but keep going up because there's more and more to do, more and more people to feed, more and more houses to build, what have you. But we get you reach a saturation point, you know, where you have so many college graduates that are graduating, competing uh, for jobs, and then uh, once the companies realize that there's a glut of applicants, then the wages start falling. You know, because they can be more more diligent about who they hire for less money because there's more people willing to work. So that w- that was part of it. I mean, as, as I've studied it. So what do, what do you think, Jamie? Um. So what I'm seeing when I first started to re- do my outreach, I seen a big gap with educators. So educators weren't even discussing these pathways with the students. Um, it was just they were pushing tech, they were pushing college, university. Um, they kind of just forgot about skilled trades. They forgot that you can't have anything without skilled trades people. And so as the infrastructure started to fail, that became more prevalent. Um, the teachers are getting on board now in 
case, like where I live in Ontario, especially in Canada, each, each, each province has educators that are specifically there to promote skilled trades and apprenticeship pathways. So it's part of our school system now. Uh, as for the parents, there is a huge gap with the parents because parents don't, they don't look at skilled trades like viable pathways. It's not a first choice career that they think of. It's a, it's a career that they think of as their kids going to go to work every day. They're going to bust their back. They're going to be dirty. And that's how they see it. They just see it as a, a low class job. And to be in front of the parents and get to speak to them and have those opportunities. Cause we do a lot of parent student nights. Um, and I go to conferences and speak, uh, as well to, to parents and to employers on how to recruit a future workforce. Um, seeing authentic, credible men and women that are succeeding in the industry and they're talking about their roles from the tools to the white hat with all these opportunities. Like, I mean, the sky's the limit. There's no cap on how much money you can make and there's no ceiling as to how far you can climb in skilled trades and making those parents aware of that and say, hey, your daughter could be running a job of 2,000 workers as a project manager. Like they start to open their eyes to the possibilities of it. So it's it's really breaking down the barriers with the parents because if we can get the parents to understand it, then they won't be discouraging the students. I can give you actually a prime example of this. My nephew wanted to be a welder so bad. And here I am, the biggest skilled trade advocate going. Like I'm so much about the skilled trade. So he wanted an apprenticeship right out of school. But my sister and brother-in-law wanted him to go through a technical program because that's how they believed he needed to get into the apprenticeship and get into his pathway. They were so specific on how they wanted him to go to school. He didn't want to do it, but he ended up signing up for a two-year millwright program, dropped out after first semester, and went and got an apprenticeship. And now he just turned 20 yesterday, and he's making incredible money working in and out of a camp job. And I mean, he's at 19 years old, he was able to buy himself a $60,000 truck. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you have to show the parents those success stories and you got to let them know too. Like if you let your student, if you let your children go into a skilled trade, if they score themselves an apprenticeship, you don't have to pay for college or university. You can retire early. You don't need a second mortgage on your house. And hopefully your kids are going to make a lot of money and send you on vacations. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you sell it in different ways. Well, that's so true. And, and the, you know, the debt crisis uh, for student loans is just crazy. So no doubt good stuff. Well, I know we're coming up on our, our, our break here, our, our time. Um, Tyler, is there anything that, you know, I always forget to ask some magical question. Is there, is there anything that I've failed to ask Jamie that tomorrow I'm going to go, doggone it. So. I really do, uh, Jamie, I, I think, uh, all joking aside, you, you're doing a phenomenal job. Thank you for representing uh, the skilled trades workers, uh, women in general in the industries, plural. Um, it's, just, it's just really fun to watch. We want to continue to support and promote. And, uh, you know, let's just keep it going. Absolutely. And for sure, if you have any questions that you don't think of and you want to follow up, you can always give me a call and we can just catch up on a couple things. Well, I certainly <laughs> I, appreciate that opportunity. I don't mind. So, 
Yes, let's work together and keep kicking ass and get the word out there and recruit a fantastic future workforce. I, I don't know how we could top that, Tyler. I mean, that that's a better ending than I've ever come up with right there. Let's uh, continue to kick ass. Yes. And this is this is my job, and I've never thought of a better ending than that. So, See? You know. Um, right. It's possible I need to look into a change of career, but... Um, <laughs> Nevertheless, well, you're pretty darn good at this one, so well, don't give up. Thank you, thank you. I'll I'll, st- I'll stick with it for a little while longer. But um, but Greg, any final thoughts as we uh, as we put a bow on this episode? Now, you know, it's just, I mean, my mind's spinning, you know, because I, I think about my nephews, plural, and and how they got into what they do, and and they're both uh, workers. They're they're neither one are academics, and. Um, they're living it that same life, you know, that you talked about, Jamie, of being able to support themselves and doing good stuff early um, and continuing to rise. I mean, one of them's a trainer already at the company he works for, and the other one is uh, like a freaking just blowing it out of the park in his area of expertise. So, just good stuff. Thank you for taking time with us. It's, it's, uh, always, uh, I always enjoy hearing you, and now I get to hear you in person or, or over the over the wire. Anyway, it's just really cool. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much, and I will definitely hook you up with more of the team if you would like to talk to more of the ambassadors. Bring them on, my friend. Perfect. All righty, we will do that. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Remember to go visit kickasscareers.org. That's kickasscareers.org. And go to gregcrumpton.com for more podcasts just like this. And of course, Greg, we got a bunch of episodes coming up. Man, we, we have, we've had a good run lately. And, and, you know, I was looking at our calendar the other day and it's like, man, we've got some really, just really cool people. So I'm, I'm doubly excited. Uh, this year is going to be good. You know, we're entering our second year now of doing it. And um, we've had a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of really smart people and a lot of cool people. So thank you, Tyler, for your work. And uh, look forward to the next one, buddy. I'm looking forward to it as well. But until then, for Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>